Welcome back, friends, fellow philosophers, and authors to this Wild Isle writing cast. I have with me today, me for a special episode. Um, this is going to be a series called Regression to the Mean, where I cover writing rules when they apply and when they do not. Now, today I want to start with a rule that I see cited quite a lot, and it is called head hopping. What is head hopping? Well, my fellow authors, you probably already know, or at least you think that you know what head hopping is, but I'm going to argue actually you probably don't. That there are things that you consider head hopping that are not, um, that you should be aware of, that are quite acceptable, honestly, and you may be uh, pushed out of including them in your manuscripts because they, let's say, run afoul of the uh, the mediocre. So with, without further ado, let's get into it. Head hopping. So what is it specifically? Now, in fiction, head hopping is the switching out of the established narrator's or limiting character's perspective to another character or narrator's perspective within a single scene. So we're not talking about characters' perspectives changing with scene breaks or with chapter breaks. That's perfectly normal. You see that quite a lot with limited um, third-person uh, point of view. What we're talking about is in a scene, it's established that the a certain character is limiting the perspective or it's told in first person, and suddenly we are given information that can only be gained through the perspective of a different character uh, to whom the perspective doesn't belong at that time. Now, there are examples when this is certainly the case, uh, when someone breaks their established uh, perspective in the POV that they're using. Uh, typically, first person and third limited are the only ones in which this uh, is relevant for most people, so that's what we're going to focus on today. Uh, let's go through an example I uh, threw together um, and see what head hopping looks like. Now, listen for it right at the end because that's when it comes. So, I have here, Waco flicks the safety off his plasma rifle's condenser and hums along with its satisfying whine. He'll enjoy his targets whining as well. Each grown man he brings to tears is another new cripple he could turn in for a fistful of crypto chips. Soon, he'll be able to afford a coveted heat razor. The weapon will be impractical, uh, but damn will Waco look cool incinerating some fool's neck. His partner, Hate, disagrees, though he doesn't dare say it. To be fair, no one dares say anything against Waco. Now, this one's a bit subtle, and actually, reading it now, um, I think this is perhaps acceptable, but let's look for where the head hopping goes. So let's assume that this story is told from the limited perspective of Waco. Uh, now we see Waco's thoughts and feelings, and it goes on and on until we get to his partner, Hate. Now, what we see here is that the narrator um, has commented, the third limited narrator has commented on how hate feels. It says that he doesn't dare disagree out loud with his partner Waco. Technically speaking, from Waco's limited perspective, he, you know, Waco can't know that. And so from a strict point of view, an editor might say you've head hopped here into hate's feelings and that is going beyond the reach of the narrator. Now we're going to round back to that example toward the end. But I wanted to give two more examples, one in first person and the other again in third limited, to show how the deviation in information uh, that a certain character is able to have 
is not always so clean and clear cut. Uh, so without further ado, let us go into example one. I snuck through the back door as quietly as I could, but even my soaked, or sorry, socked feet creeping silently on the linoleum couldn't escape father's disapproval. Not as punishment either. He'd never been so wroth as me before. The intent to kill radiated from his scowl. He was an animal. No words emerged from his mouth. He had no use for them. Right. Uh, waxes a little bit, right? But we see here uh, many things that would be considered head hopping typically. So the father's disapproval is directly commented on as opposed to some physical action. We're, we're talking about the father's feelings that uh, the, in this case, the son does not have direct access to. Now, uh, what, what else? Uh, he'd never been so wroth with me before. So we're assuming, again, the feelings of the father from the uh, perspective, the first person perspective of the son, who's the narrator. And he said he had no use for them in terms of the words. Now, for him to know that the father had no use for them, he would have to know the father's intent, uh, which he would not necessarily have. So, you know, you give this to an editor and they say, okay, let's fix his head hopping and let's see what happens when we try to fix it. So here's a different version of that same example. I snuck through the back door as quietly as I could, but even my socked feet creeping silently on the linoleum couldn't escape father's vigilance, not his punishment either. His face had never glowed so red before. I thought he was real. Oh, sorry, I thought he really wanted to kill me, the way he scowled. He was a wild animal. No words emerged from his mouth. Or if they did, he didn't use, uh, sorry, he didn't uh, use them, at least that I remember. So we, we see some changes here. Now you'll notice that the second example was a bit wordier. We lost some efficiency because we had to take more time describing uh, small and to be honest, rather generic details about the father uh, to describe what his anger in particular looked like. Uh, this could be useful in some cases if the expression was particularly interesting. In this case, it really wasn't and it led to wordiness. Um, which is a consequence, right? Oftentimes what you'll see instead of mere wordiness is filters being added to make sure the reader is aware that the narrator is not uh, tapping into someone's mind tel telepathically, that they are commenting on what they think or how they feel or what they perceived. But then that kind of begs a question. Is the reader stupid? Because I would argue actually the need to add those filters or the need to deviate away from commenting on uh, a different character's interiority um, assumes, it must assume that the reader is an idiot. Here's why. That story told from the other, other than the particular words like Roth that someone might not use is actually quite natural. Human beings all the time when we communicate a normal conversation uh, tell people what we think or feel about something without adding that filter in, right? So, uh, you know, when he says father's disapproval, we understand that he looked at his father's face and read disapproval in his face. Now he's not using psychic powers to read his father's mind. He looks at him and concludes that he has achieved his father's disapproval, right? Um, he'd never been so wroth with me before. He can look at his father's expression and see that he's angry, and he's never seen him looking that angry at him before. But instead of saying, I've never seen him looking so angry, you just say a bunch of words, and it's much more eloquent to say, he never never been so wroth with me before. 
people do that. Like, there's no question that the reader should be able to understand that unless he is literally an idiot. And I think an issue here with head hopping, a regression to the mean for a lot of editors, is that they see that and they apply the rule without thinking about it because they're under this uh, set of assumptions that the rule just applies, that it doesn't actually serve a purpose, right? And so they end up serving the opposite purpose of what the rule is supposed to help with, which is when an author makes an error and gives information that breaks the narrative limitations established in the story. Hello, Discord. Uh, forgot to turn those notifications off. Let's go to another example in Third Limited. Mint fixed his green scarf blown askew by the wind. His fellow mercenaries glared and scoffed. They thought him vain, he knew, or else some kind of deviant. The truth was they knew nothing. Mint had received the scarf from a dryad after saving her daughter from some backwater loggers. Never before had a motherkin been so genuinely grateful to a human. It was a precious token with witchcraft spoken into the threads. So you probably picked up on what might be called head hopping uh, right away. So commenting on his companions there uh, a couple times, you know, they, uh, they thought him vain or deviant. Uh, so he's commenting on the thoughts of other people. Obviously, Mint doesn't know what they think, really. He doesn't have direct access. He also doesn't know that they actually know nothing. He doesn't know that, but he believes it. And so the narrator, in this case, is commenting on Mint's beliefs about his companions. Um, and he said, never before had a mother been so genuinely grateful to a human. So he's, he's commenting on his impression of the, the fact that he actually believed in the gratitude of the dryad who rewarded him with the magic scarf, uh, which definitely was inspired by the Green Knight to throw that together, right? Now let's look at, you know, an editor might say, though, this is head hopping. We have to fix it. What's going to happen when we try to fix this? Well, let's find out. Mint fixed his green scarf blown askew by the wind. Hello, Discord. His fellow mercenaries glared and scoffed. Probably they thought him vain or maybe some kind of deviant. Mint doubted they'd act the same way had they known the truth. He'd had received the scarf from a dryad after saving her. Sorry, yeah, he'd received the scarf to, uh, from a dryad after saving her daughter from some backwater loggers. Never before had a motherkin been so generous with a human. It was a precious token with witchcraft spoken into the threads. Uh, other than my slip up there, we can see that there, there's a bit of inefficiency and a, a lost texture. Let's look at that last uh, next last line. Never before had a motherkin been so generous with a human. That doesn't mean nearly as much as the interpretation of that generosity, which was genuine gratitude. One is much more thick. It's much richer with meaning and feeling than, okay, generous, right? Gave a lot versus had a deep, rich feeling of uh, sincere sentiments. You can see that there's a huge difference there. Um, and also, Mint doubted they'd act the same way had they known the truth. That's much wordier, and it does not uh, convey Mint's feelings about this nearly as well. We've actually drawn back in Third Limited, uh, which is already a little bit psychically distant, even further back. We might as well be writing an omniscient at this point if we're going to do this. Um, but we wouldn't want to write in on this shit because the point is to make it psychically close. We, we've just made ourselves, or, or rather, we've made the narrator uh, less sympathetic when we do this. And, well, what's my argument? What is my thesis, uh, fellow authors, is that this isn't head-hopping, 
right? The, the, the reader is not meant to assume that the narrator has telepathy. The reader is meant to understand because the reader's not an idiot and because the reader talks with other people this way all the time that the narrator is commenting through the perspective of a particular character, whether it's him, him or herself or there's this other character and it's biased. There is a degree of unreliability from the nature of the narrator being a human being and you want your narrator to read like a human being because it makes them more interesting, more relatable, even if the narrator isn't a, directly a character. But you know, even if you've got the third limited, the coloring of the narrator's speech in align, uh, alignment with the subjectivity of that character, again, makes them more sympathetic. It allows us to become invested in that character more, um, which lets us care about the stakes, which brings tension, which moves you page after page after page, right? That's key. You know, if you want a character that you care about, you have to do that. And also it's just more efficient. You can craft much more beautiful sentences, sentences that are enjoyable to read um, if you are willing to do this and if you are not because someone told you, well, that's head hopping when really it isn't. It isn't the error, right? It, it's not the character commenting on something that they couldn't know with the certainty that they absolutely do know it. That's not, where, that's not what we've gone over in our example. So let's go right all the way back to our first example and read it again about Waco. Waco flicks the safety off his plasma rifle's condenser and hums along with its satisfying whine. Right? So, hello, Discord. We are uh, satisfying whine. He's satisfied with the whining noise. He'll enjoy his target's whining as well. Commenting again on Jacob's, uh, Waco, rather, interiority. Um, making us understand who he is inside. Each grown man uh, who he brings to tears is another new cripple he can turn in for a fistful of crypto chips. Soon he'll be able to afford a coveted, the coveted heat razor. So that's again, I'm planting subjectivity in, in this third limited example, a uh, heat razor. The weapon will be impractical, but damn, and they get that use of uh, damn here is again, coloring it with Waco's interiority. But damn will Waco look cool incinerating some fool's neck. His partner, Hate, disagrees, though he doesn't dare say it. Now you could say Waco shouldn't be able to know whether Hate would say it or, or you know, disagrees and it doesn't vocalize it. But Waco could suspect that. Waco could look at his partner's disapproving looks. He's interacted with him for a long time. Even if Hate's never said anything, it would not dare say anything to, uh, you know, this psychopath Waco. Uh, it doesn't mean that Waco doesn't have reason to suspect or to, or to believe it. So even in this first case, where you could argue that it's head hopping, I really don't even think here that it is. Head hopping is when the character does not have reason to assume the thing that is being narrated. It's not merely the commenting on an, another person's thought or feelings outside of the perspective character because people uh, interpret and come to beliefs and conclusions about other people's thoughts and feelings all the time and we communicate them naturally with a level of certainty that is perhaps unwarranted uh, but is normal. And that's really today's short episode for regression to the mean. Do not regress to the mean because if you know a Pareto distribution, um, the if you want to be successful, you got to be in the upper 80th percentile. If you regress down to average, you're pretty close to zero. And we want to avoid that here at the Wild Isle podcast. So let me know what you guys uh, think. Um, you guys on Discord who interrupted my video today, let you guys especially let me know what you think. 
Am I right about head hopping is the use of the word used too often to refer to things that really aren't? Are we actually ruining uh, the composition of our prose and stripping out our ability to gain stakes by applying this rule head hopping more broadly than is warranted? Well, let me know what you guys think in the comments below. Like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff, and I'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening or watching this solo episode of the Wild Isle podcast. If you'd like to see more from me, head over to my website, wildislelit.com, where I publish tons of short fiction, essays, blog posts, uh, other podcasts here, aphorisms, all kinds of things. You can find my novel there as well, Wand Smoke Broken. It's a weird fantasy fiction story with some gas lamp and steampunk elements, lots of magic and muskets and fun. So check that out. Also, if you are an author and you are looking to sharpen up your manuscript or refine your unique writing style, consider hiring me uh, in the, with the Wild Isle style guide. There's tons of options there on my website, again, wildowlit.com, and I can help you sharpen your manuscript, help motivate you get it uh, to get it finished, or if you're someone who likes to embed your fiction with deep and rich meanings to craft uh, a meta-narrative that will inspire your readers, you can hire me for that as well, again, at wildislelit.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone.